Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and I'm Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. On this show, I get to talk to people that we love and admire, or some that we just find interesting. We'll explore how they found their path and what maybe have gotten in their way, and how they brought others along now that they've arrived. Asko Akatska is the comedian whose videos you've probably shared with many of your friends. She has this adorable innocence and instant relatability that makes her so charming and convincing on stage. She's never afraid to make fun of herself and put her truth out there, making viewers not only laugh, but feel a lot less alone. She's made some time during her ongoing tour to chat about how she got into comedy, Asian American representation in media, and what it's like going viral. Thank you again for doing this. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the first question I always ask my guests is about their literal shoes, since this podcast is called In Her Shoes. So tell me about what shoes you have on, because you're not at home, so you do have shoes on. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you are insightful. Uh, I have CVs on, S-E-A-V-E-E-S. They gifted okay. me these bright yellow. Oh, they're like a slip-in clog. Yeah, slip-in clog that I think is waterproof, too. They do look waterproof. They look very cool, though. Yeah, I'm really into it. I was like, free and bright colors? That's that's all I need. And so, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm wearing. I love that. Um, I mean, I know you have a really unique aesthetic and obviously like a lot of opinions about style that's so on point with your own brand. Um, very playful, lots of color and bold prints. How did you develop, you know, a sense of style and, and what kind of gave you the courage or, you know, the really desire to like dress in a way that really is indicative of who you really are. Yeah, because it does take a moment, you know, not for everyone. Some people are like, oh, I've known my aesthetic. I've known myself and I've been proud of it since I was young, which right. is awesome. I'm always like, how? I'm jealous of those people. Yeah, I'm like, good for you. Like, I am intimidated. <laughs> you are 12 years old <laughs> and so confident. Um, but 
yeah, it's it was truly about like embracing my childlike self, you know. As a kid, what were the things that I was drawn to? Bright colors and patterns, and it's not stuff I could always wear because you know we couldn't afford just any clothes, you know, when I was a kid. So it was about like becoming an adult and finally wearing the things I've always wanted to as a kid.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's sort of how I came to my aesthetic. I love that. You talked a lot about your childhood and, and growing up,、uh, specifically how your school teacher gave you the name Stacy because、mm-hmm. she felt like your name was too hard to pronounce. Were you the kind of kid that actually corrected people? Did you feel too shy or intimidated to do that? What What was that like for you? Yeah, I just wanted to be liked. <laughs> so no, As most I didn't. Kids do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really went with the flow of things. And then years later, I would undo it in therapy. <laughs> so yeah, was I, there a moment when you actually decided, like, you know what, I'm going to correct people when they mispronounce my name? Gosh, you know, I still, as a performer, as a stand-up comedian, a woman, and you know, there weren't a ton of Asian American female stand-ups still, you know. You kind of have to work that line of like, don't upset people. You're an entertainer. You know, don't upset people too much. So my husband actually steps in now for me and isn't afraid to be the person that delivers that kind of news. So、mm-hmm. he'll go up to the host, or you know, he'll he'll correct people if they're saying my name weird or different. Yeah.、Um, so he'll he he does that dirty work for me so that I don't have to, which is so so great. Yeah, that's very sweet. Yeah, you've also talked about Margaret Cho being an influence for you growing up.、Um, we've had her on the show and talked about how difficult it was for her coming up in the comedy world as an Asian American woman. What was it specifically about her and her comedy that really captured you? Yeah, I mean, she's a fellow weirdo. She's like a true weirdo like me, and so I loved that she was. Authentically, her, but also was talking about some things like about her family that I could also relate to, and、mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I loved the way she built worlds with her comedy. It wouldn't just be like a joke she's telling. Then she goes, "Okay, can you imagine then if like a sword came out of the back of me and just I started <laughs> slaying everyone around? You know what I mean? It was like she would create these like action films sometimes out of just you know the flight attendant asking her if she wants Asian chicken salad. You know,、mm-hmm. um, I I just love that. I and so yeah, that's what drew me to her. Yeah,、mm-hmm. and her confidence." What would you say your experience was like when you first started doing stand-up, admiring people like her? Did you find a lot of similarities, or what was it difficult, and what was that experience like for you? It's always scary to put yourself out there, and especially if you don't know if the world would accept it, you know, and the industry. Because when you say world, it's like the world is more down to accept you. More than the industry because there's only like ten deciders, right?、Uh, mm-hmm. In the industry, I mean, there's more than that, but you know what I mean. It's a small no, percentage. A small yeah, yeah, it's a small percentage of what really like the world looks like and is actually like. So, yeah, it, it is scary, and then finding that balance, you know, of what the people actually like versus what the smaller percentage of people like, and.、Mm-hmm. 
finding enough confidence in yourself to be like, no, people do want to hear what I have to say, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's why I think it took 13 years for me to really feel like, ah, I'm really in my shoes, in my of CVs, these bright mm -hmm. yellows. <laughs> <laughs> and you were also the second Asian woman after Margaret to have an HBO comedy special. Did you, I'm sure you knew that going into it, or did you know, and what, what did that feel like in the moment? I had an inkling because I, you know, have kept up with stand-up and stand-up specials. Mm -hmm. So I had to ask the HBO execs, is that true? Because I sort of, I, I, I did the research and I'm friends with Margaret. And I was like, is it true? I'm the second one after 23 years? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, it is a little, you know, you don't want to admit that, you know. But they, yeah, were like, yeah. they were like, yeah, actually you are. <laughs> and it wasn't like surprising because I'm used to how things go in the industry. It just lit a bigger fire in me to mm. really, really crush it. Walk me through at which point, you know, in your career, did you feel like you're really going for this seriously and passionately? Because I'm sure doing stand-up, there's a lot of waves of different emotions. But at what point in your career did you feel like, okay, like it's this, this or bust, like I'm only doing this? So like right after art school, which is 2015, um, you know, art school, art school was a way of me trying to be like, maybe I'll have a backup option, you know, because I still didn't like super believe in myself with stand up comedy. And if people would accept me, <laughs> mm -hmm. I was still doing it. But I was like, oh, I should have other options, which is silly because art school as a second option is not safer, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'll, I'll also learn film, you know, uh, not safer at all. Um, so after art school, I was like, oh, I didn't learn any tangible skills. You know, art school is wild, right? There's people running around naked and rolling around on the ground. And that's their thesis, you know, mm -hmm. uh, project. You know, that's how they graduate or you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like um, why not wholeheartedly do stand up comedy? Because I just spent three years, you know making films about trees. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where the trees... yeah. <laughs> yeah, where the trees talk because I did a voiceover over it. So, <laughs> yeah. That's when I wholeheartedly was like, I have nothing to lose. I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. It does feel like we're in a moment of a lot of industries having to, you know, reconcile with being a lot more inclusive and diverse and equitable. Um, do you feel like in terms of Asian American representation in media and comedy that things have gotten better or does it feel fleeting still? I think it has. You know, the more you see of a community, it's just always better in whatever way, even if it's like the the trashy people that you meet of our community or whatever the reality tv version of us mm -hmm. where we're being our authentic self and maybe not great ways to like movies about us or podcasts or tv shows i think the more there is is great because it just normalizes that you know a community is a part of the society um i think that you know 
as long as like the industry keeps doing the research and is out there really looking, I think there's more hope for even more representation because, you know, communities aren't all that way. We're not all crazy and rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there were all these shows about Asians being rich suddenly coming out like Bling Empire and Crazy Rich mm -hmm. Asians as the movie. And I was like, that's cool. That's one way in. But like show the poor people, too, now, <laughs> you know, exactly. And yeah. to do that, you just have to do the research and not be lazy and just keep hiring the same, same 10 people. So, right. yeah, it's I think but it's still getting there. It's getting there. Yeah, for sure. We have to talk about your grandmother because you have the cutest relationship with her. Um, and she's famous, for sure. Does she know that she's famous? She knows she's known to an extent. <laughs> because, like, numbers are so hard for an older person to understand. It's like, oh, okay, sure, our video was seen 20 million times or whatever. She's like, mm -hmm. what does that even mean? And I'm like, girl, I don't really know either because <laughs> I don't know how many zeros 20 million even has. I've never seen a number like that in front of me. You know, I'd have to see it in stashes of cash or something for me to maybe understand. <laughs> but still, I don't because I'm like, what can that buy? Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. We grew up so poor. And so... You know, she gets it. She gets recognized in the streets, you know, and she came to the taping of my HBO special in New York mm -hmm. where she saw a whole production, a whole crew, the director, the audiences. There were two shows I did. You know, she saw all these people working for me. Mm -hmm. And so she does get it. She does get it. Yeah. She's still on EBT and still gets paid the SSI, like from the government every month of yeah. not that much money. So she's like, sure, sure, I'm famous, but like, when's it gonna take care of me? Yeah. I, I treat her to stuff and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm helping out. In all the glamor, There's we're still grounded in reality and that's okay, mm -hmm. that's good as I think a comedic, comedic family, you know? Yeah. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts
So what did what did she think about you going into comedy and what did she think about the the special? The special, she was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. All the years of work that I've put into it, she knows. Mm -hmm. And so it was really cool. It was like a culminating moment. And I brought her on stage with me at the end, you know, and it was it was cool. It felt like, yes, like finally, like a homecoming. Yeah, yeah. Me doing stand-up comedy, because she didn't really even know what it was. It's not it's not like a huge thing in Taiwan where she's from. Mm -hmm. So she was like, I don't know. It's it's kind of like when someone says they're a consultant, I bet, is how she felt. She was yeah. like, that's such a general general thing that you're going into just yeah. comedy you know so and that's how i feel when someone tells me they're a consultant i'm like what what's that yeah just, that could be literally a million things you give advice generally <laughs> that could be insurance i mean that could be anything yes yeah. yes i hear you um we also have to talk about the drop challenge that you created a little while back the grandma was also featured in what was that like to have something go, you know, viral on the internet? And, you know, what is it like after that? Did you feel pressure to keep up with engagement? Like, did you feel <laughs> like you had to post more? What What was going through your head at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I was like, this silly thing that we just did for fun in two minutes. <laughs> it's just us having fun. That's what all our videos are. And which is great, because that's why I got into comedy is so that other people can feel seen and right. also have fun. So it was cool when people started recreating it because I was like, yes, you do it. You you do you. It's the people's video now. It's yeah, the people's yeah. challenge now. Because it's not that. like you get paid for starting a viral video or anything. It's giving it to the people so that they can have fun with it. And so it was, mm -hmm. it was cool. I was like, yeah. But it was wild to be like, this silly thing, <laughs> you know, Serena Williams, uh, the cast of Hamilton, cast of SNL, yeah. you know. Um. <laughs> I mean, the ultimate. Have you ever met Beyonce or anyone has from anyone has her team ever reached out? No, no. Beyonce's so can live in her own world. Like, I don't think I she's, she on, even she's on her own literally her own planet like her own air yeah she doesn't run her own instagram like she doesn't need to look at social media ever you know and so strangely yeah but but i did um accidentally put the song back into the charts so it was like back on the billboards because of the um, yeah yeah because of the challenge yeah i, <laughs> I got her um, paid is what i'm saying <laughs> I'm sure she was happy. I'm sure. Um, similar to the drop challenge, though, you're always, you know, d doing something fun, grooving with your grandmother. Um, and you talk a lot about being a shy kid. But did you always like to dance or did you always know how to dance? My grandma put me in dance classes when I was a kid. But it was like ballet and mm, stuff okay. like that, like modern or whatever, just to try to make sure I had friends and yeah and then in high school I was on the cheerleading squad so yeah there was always dance in my life um and physically speaking and I, I express myself physically a lot because 
you know, I didn't always know the language of the country that I was living in. <laughs> so, like, I learned English by watching Scooby Doo. And you could probably tell when you watch my stand up, like, oh, the way she, who, who, you know, the way she talks with, oh my God, like, you know, always uh, sounding like a, I'm about to cry a little bit. Um, so, dance is a big part of my life because it is using my body to sort of like connect with people and, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it translates into my stand-up comedy, too, I think. Yeah. Was there a moment or a certain, you know, time period in your career where you felt like people actually started to get you, whether you were, you know, emulating a character or telling a story, but that people finally started to get you as, as a comedian? Yeah, that's a cool question. I'm good at improv and improvising and making a situation that could seem really scary or hard mm -hmm. and turning it funny, you know? And the way that I was able to showcase that was, you know, in 2019, I did a stand-up set during a 7.1 magnitude earthquake. Mm -hmm. And I, I happened to get video of it, so I posted it and that also went viral. But I think that's when people started understanding, oh my goodness, okay, this comedian can really find the light in wild situations, you know? Yeah. And because I was able to make sure the audience was okay, but also continue making them laugh through it. Yeah. That is the true essence of me. I thrive in chaos because I grew I up in that. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, since you've been doing this for a while, do you feel like there's any differences between, you know, making things for the internet versus like when you actually go to start writing material for stand-up? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Sometimes a longer bit might be birthed out of something I tweeted online or like an idea I talked to my audience about on Instagram or something. Then mm -hmm. I'll polish it later on by, you know, adding the punchlines and building the world around it more for stage. Yeah. So mm -hmm. they do go hand in hand sometimes. But yeah. yeah, the way you deliver jokes online sometimes is different than in person because, you know, you have to think, oh, Instagram, TikTok audiences, they, they have like a shorter attention span, for example. Right. It's got to be a minute long, you know. You got to enter with something that'll hook them, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Now I'm curious, since you brought up this earthquake, besides <clears throat> that, what's the wildest thing that's ever happened during a set? It's hard to beat a 7.1 magnitude earthquake. <laughs> yeah. I've had all kinds of people. I've had people from during St. Patrick's Day, really, really drunk, you know. I've had, I mean, mostly it's just drunk people. Mm. Thankfully, no one's really gotten hurt during a comedy show that I was performing on or, you know, during my tour. So, mm -hmm. yeah, probably just probably the earthquake tops it. I mean, that's a very big thing. So, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I jinxed it. Next time it's going to be a different natural disaster. No. <laughs> um, for you and so many other comedians, though, I think it feels like a common theme that, you know, there's a form of escapism that, you know, comes through in comedy. Um, a lot of the hardships, whether obviously, you know, you handling that amazingly with the earthquake during set or just, you know, life 
happenings and things that occur um, and turning that into some kind of, you know, comedic gold. Um, does a lot of your material still come from that place or where are you finding new material from? Yeah, for sure. Like I feel most in in tune with comedy when I'm sad, unfortunately. <laughs> so when a ton of stuff is going on, like caretaking for my grandma the other night I just took her to the emergency room or I'm trying to get my husband on my health insurance but in trying to prove that we're married um, mm -hmm. getting a copy of our marriage certificate for example we found out that me and my husband because we've been married seven years mm -hmm. but in trying to do this for example um, we found out we're actually not married <laughs> oh wow what <laughs> Because, which is so us, because we forgot to turn in our marriage certificate after our wedding. Uh. So stuff like that, you know, just inherently becomes comedy and I'm able to write about. But, you know, all these things are stressful to be going through. Like my mom's, sure. my mom's psychosis is off the charts right now. She has schizophrenia. But in... Dealing with all the things, like I said, I thrive in chaos. I always want to make sure everyone's okay. And a big way I do that is finding the funnies even during all the wild stuff. And mm -hmm. so it's where a lot of my material comes from is I think empathy for humans and trying to take a moment in every chaotic or sad situation to be like, wait, but that is pretty funny. Right. That we haven't been married this whole time. We This whole time, we've just been boyfriend and girlfriend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Our sex got hotter for no reason, you know, <laughs> now that we're boyfriend and girlfriend again, you know, <laughs> things like that. I love that. Um, so tell me what's coming up next for you both um, professionally and just in your own life. Yes. So, yeah, my new hour of stand-up I'm touring right now and then I'll be doing theater tours in the fall with it too um and I'm developing a show right now with FX Amazing. and yeah and so I yeah you know just more ways of putting my story out there so that hopefully people can also feel seen yeah yeah thank you so much for doing this that was so much fun thank you for having me In Her Shoes is hosted by me, Lindsay Peoples. Our lead producer is Taka Zen. Our engineer is Brendan McFarlane. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and thank you so much for listening. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you and their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained, because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Podcast24.